it's about to storm like a motherfucker here. So if I lose you, that's where I went. Nice. You went into the eye of the storm. Yeah, I know, right? It's uh, it's dark, but uh, I like that. This is typo weather, man. That's right. It's that uh, depressive gothic music weather. I love I love the fall for that around here. That's my shit that I love. Are you a seasonal music listener? Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, it means a lot to me. I uh, I started off that way when I was like in high school when I very first got into like black metal. Um, mm. Only in winter. Was, yeah, only cold weather music, right? Oh, yeah. um, and then as uh, as I got older, it started to blend together. But like now, I'm definitely like Sabbath in the summer feels better than any other time of the year. Straight up, mm-hmm. I agree. And then I got a handful of other things that I listen to in the fall specifically because that's my favorite season. I'm looking forward to actually experiencing like a traditional fall when we move to D.C. because I've lived in the South my whole life. So, Oh, uh, yeah, that'll be great, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm so excited. I can't wait. The fall is the best part about this part of the world, I think. That's I look forward to it uh, every year. That's what I'm hoping for. I know it's not as, it's not as far up north as you are, but my, my wife will be in D.C. this fall. Okay. So, I'm looking forward to going up and visiting her a bunch. Yeah, you get about the same weather as me. I think so. Really, really hardly a difference. The Misfits yeah. sound so much better in like, oh, man. you know, chilly. I can't wait. And like, I also, um, I've, so the, the pictures of the neighborhood where my wife is going to be living, like we put down a deposit on, a, on an apartment and everything. Uh, it looks just like fucking Haddonfield from... Right from the original Halloween, like the neighborhood does, dude. I'm so stoked. I can't wait to like walk around with the leaves falling and shit like that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, man. I actually went to the neighborhood and uh, it's in Pasadena, California, where they, yeah, where yeah. they had in field. It was, uh, it was pretty surreal. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. I, I've, uh, it, it's like kind of super, it, it's like overwhelming yet underwhelming at the same time because it's totally just like any other street. But when you're there and like you look around, you're like, okay, I get it. Like it's, it, this is it. But if yeah. nobody told you, you could just walk right by it. Yeah. I, uh, they, they did, you know, they shot Halloween 40 uh, in South Carolina, in Charleston, I think. Really? I yeah, mean, I mean, you could be right. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm pretty sure that they did. Like Danny McBride's from South Carolina, and I, I think that they. I'd have to check to make sure, but I'm. I'm pretty sure it was around Charleston, and there was a casting call that me and some friends really regretted not going down there to be extras for. But yeah, that'd be awesome. If they do that again for the next one, man, I'm definitely gonna be a part of Halloween history. Hell yeah, definitely, dude. I didn't know Danny McBride was from fucking South Carolina. Yeah, man, that's it makes uh, total sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, with especially like the third season of Eastbound and Down, with, yeah, uh, going to Myrtle Beach. That might be my favorite comedy show of all time, dude. It is hilarious. Especially that that first season was the the tip top. But yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. He's that. I'll watch that dude in anything. Have you seen the Righteous Gemstones? It's great. He's dude, a, he's a genius. It's hilarious, but it's got that same kind of cynicism that I need with my comedy these days. Right. It's amazing. When I do the uh, YouTube videos for Death Comes Lifting, I'm basically just trying my best to be uh, Kenny Powers. Kenny fucking Powers? Yeah. I'm trying to channel that energy. Whether anybody knows it or not, I just let out the secret, but that's probably what it is. (laughs) That's probably... Well, hey, man, at least now they know. Now they know. So we're going to try today. 
to get the to get this special guest on our show. We're gonna try to get Nick from Casket Slime. I'm stoked, man. I've been listening to Casket Slime all week. I am I, I am stoked. Me too. They're uh they're they're a promising band. I got I think um I I don't know if both of them are doing it. I know at least one of them said we'll do it. So we'll to see. come on and chat with us. Huh? To come on and chat with us? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'll I don't know. I can get, man. Yeah, me too. So they they're super cool. I'm gonna send them the uh, invite right now. He said he's gonna All be right. a few minutes late, so we'll uh, we'll bullshit. Anything you've been listening to besides Casket Slime this week? Uh, a lot of cryptopsy, man. Oh, uh, yeah, I've been seeing that on your stories. You can't go yeah. wrong. A whole lot of cryptopsy. Um, more of that sixteen. Uh, let me wrong. think about it. I'll be able to find more here in a minute. I mean, well, Cryptopsy, and I was gonna, I'm going to ask Casket Slime this. Um, you know, Casket Slime's from Canada. Cryptopsy's yeah. obviously from Canada. There's a bunch of great bands and great metal bands from Canada, and I was just, I was, uh, you know, curious to get their point of view on it being actually from there. And how probably, much- a, probably a whole lot of Canadian metal bands that fucking rule that we don't even know about, too. That's you know? what I'm saying, yeah. My sort of, I, I am totally willing to come forward and be like i am part of the insulated dumb american thing where like i i feel like there's a whole bunch of shit going on in the world that i could probably be paying a whole lot more attention to and um i would like to know specifically when we get people from other countries uh on the show or whatever like what's you know what's going on in your scene where you are what do we what do we not know about down here that we should Right, that's kind of the coolest part about music, really, is when you find things from different areas of the world and you really take that in, you can kind of get a feel, at least I can, for like the climate there and more oh, yeah. than one, you know, it's a pretty introspective part of it. Now, did, did you have Mike on the Death Comes Lifting podcast? Yes, I did. Yeah, What? how'd that go? He seems like a super legit guy, he seems cool. Dude, he's like the coolest guy of all time. Yeah, I, like I, I know, like I heard the podcast, but I wasn't sure if there was anything that got cut or not. He seemed like a super cool guy. There's a few things, yeah, but he was, uh, yeah, super down to earth. I mean, we're, he still emails me and shit. He, I, uh, he wanted shirts. He bought shirts for me. It was nice. really cool. Yeah, him and his daughters have, uh, have Death Comes Lifting shirts, so that's pretty rad. Sweet, man. Yeah, he's real down to earth. Awesome guy. That uh, Acurion record, I thought, was pretty fucking baller. That, um the shit he's doing now that's him right yeah that's him yeah okay that's what i thought just making sure i was into that yeah i uh i loved it to, I, had, I didn't even know it was him and when i first heard it really and then i you know was reading into it and then i was talking to tommy about it and he suggested i try to get him on the show which was great but i liked it even before i knew it was him yeah he's he's a good I think he's a definitely an underrated vocal and specifically just because of the shoes that he had to fill. One of the conversations I was having earlier this week is I, whenever I do like go down a rabbit hole for a band like Cryptopsy or whatever, I'll end up tweeting about it or talking to friends about it and invariably end up getting into some conversations about that shit. And like one of the things about Cryptopsy that really frustrates me is when motherfuckers are so up Lord Worm's ass yeah. that, they can't, that they can't admit that Whisper Supremacy is some of the best shit that band ever did. And yeah, like, if you, if you can't get past Lord Worm to the point where you can come around to Whisper Supremacy, that is the mark of a simple motherfucker. Absolutely. I, could, I uh, can't agree more. 
White oh. Orbs is one of my favorite death metal songs of all time. Yes, 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 yes. In the genre, yeah. But I've been, so I, I didn't actually hear um, the most recent EP when it came out. I think that was like 2018, Book of Suffering, Tomb 2. Yeah. Um, so I've been checking that out uh, and then going back to the self-titled and listening to that a little bit more thoroughly than I did. Um, That's the one where Worm returned, right? No, Worm Returned on uh, Once Was Not. Once Was Not, okay. Yeah, and then everything they've done since then has been with Matt. I think he was back in the band for like three years, and then they came and they did Unspoken King, um, and then they did the self-titled, and then they did those two EPs. Right, okay, yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I pretty much like it all, man. I mean, there's some new stuff that I feel eh about, but yeah. I, you just ha can't. I listen to each one as kind of like a new experience, like it's its own thing. I agree. I, I feel like Cryptopsy is pretty unimpeachable. I think even yes. though, especially, you know, uh, the Unspoken King sort of gets a bad rap. People call it a deathcore record and they don't like the clean vocals and everything. And it's, it's, it's not my favorite Cryptopsy record by like a fucking country mile. However, I, I can't appreciate what they were trying to do because I don't think, I don't, while I do think it's a little bit more accessible than some of their more complex stuff, I don't think that it was done with accessibility in mind. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I don't feel like they, I, I don't feel like Cryptopsy sat down and like Flo Mounier was like, all right guys, it's time to get on rock radio. How are we going to go about doing that? You know, I don't, they just went with what they wanted to do. Yeah. They, they did what they wanted to do. And like in the past, they'd done that shit before when they were doing those first two records and putting all that weird shit together. I'm sure that they weren't really sure what was coming next after that. It just happened to correspond with like what was going on in the scene at the time and people really latched onto it. And that didn't happen with once or with uh, Unspoken King, but that's okay. Yeah, we're good. Hey, casket slimes waiting. We're going to get them in. Bring them on. Let's see what we can do. This is the first attempt via Zoom. So if the connection's bad out there, we apologize but it's uh, recorded in a graveyard anyway, so you can only, you get what you pay for here. It's only the dead and the damned. Thank you, audio. What's up, brother? Can you hear us? Yeah, man, what's going on? How you doing? Not bad yourself? We are good, man. So I'm Zach, and this is the Cardio Killer Schuler. Sick. And welcome, you're the first guest on Riffs and Lips, dude. This is our podcast series, that's uh, it's episode three. And welcome, man. Yo, that's sick, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, cool. good to have you. Thanks. So, are you Freddie or Jason? Uh, Freddie. Hell yeah! All right. Yeah, I didn't, really, I didn't actually choose that. Fucking uh, uh, Jason just decided that when he posted the actual demo, I didn't actually get a chance. I, I probably would have fucking chose Leatherface to be honest, but you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. I sympathize. I uh, I probably would have too. Leatherface is a badass, man. Yes, absolutely. Is, um, you guys are uh, you guys are big Phantasm fans, yeah? Yeah, unbelievably big Phantasm fans. I know um, Jason is especially. Yeah. yeah. What you guys th What'd you guys think of Ravager? Ravager? Uh, I thought. I mean, like it was pretty interesting. I uh, I mean, you take it for what it is because what they were really planning on doing with the Phantasm series after number four was like super extravagant, but yeah. they just couldn't get the budget for it. Yeah. So Rabbit was kind of like the best thing that could have possibly happened for the franchise. And like, I'm just glad to see that all the actors could have said goodbye to their characters in the way that they, they got to in Ravager. That's like a super good way of putting it, I think. And I, 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 I liked it and I felt, I felt very much the same way. 
Um, I thought and I, it was a ton of fun. Huh? I thought it was a ton of fun, man. I it was. Really and I, I feel like anybody who was expecting something else at this point probably didn't have any business watching that movie anyway. Like, but one of the one of the things that I want everybody to do after the podcast is done is uh, go to the Wikipedia page for the first Phantasm movie and read the plot line. Read the plot summary on Wikipedia for the first Phantasm. It is infinitely more ape shit than anything in that movie. I have never done that, but now, yeah. I'm, now I'm in. Okay. No, def- definitely check it out because it's, it's, it, it's a trip, man. I'm not sure who wrote it. it. It almost feels like a computer algorithm wrote that plot summary. It's so batshit crazy. You know, that's like a really interesting like internet tidbit. I don't think anybody has ever considered doing that. Now they have, thanks to us. Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we got it done. What is your favorite Phantasm movie? Uh, I mean, it's probably got, I mean, I don't know. The first three are pretty good. I, I like, I can't, couldn't really pick a, a favorite of the first three just because you go from like this fantastical horror film to like Reggie Bannister just being like an action hero and just like <laughs> slaying so much tail. And yeah. it's just the best thing man I, I don't i mean you know we have a song on the the latest split about reggie bannister we're just yeah bannister fans it's it's, reggie, it's probably uh, titled reggie, reggie, bannister. reggie bannister is out there listening to this right now please reach out to me on instagram i would love to just like hang out with you and send you all of my weird phantasm ideas we're gonna get them on the podcast and we're, we're gonna set this up we're gonna make it happen <laughs> so this is it's step one intense. I honestly don't even know. I feel like if I was to go face to face with with fucking Reggie Bannister, I just I would just like seize up. I don't even think I'd be able to talk to him. You probably can't make eye contact with him. He's too powerful, man. Yeah, you're right. Of course, there's right. nothing on that guy. Maybe if we get him on via Zoom though, like this, it'll be safe. But being in person <laughs> might, be, it might be a different thing. Hundred percent. So tell us, uh, give us a little history on the band, man. How long you guys been doing this? Well, uh, me and Jason, uh, we've been playing in bands as early as uh, 2018. Uh, he's like substantially older than me by like 10 years. So he's been like around Ottawa, like a lot longer than I have. And um, I, uh, I only recently met him, which was kind of strange because I've been around Ottawa since like 2014. And uh, we hooked up uh, with um, one of his other bands that didn't really uh, – turn out well it had like they had good prospects but it just kind of ended in a shit show mm. but uh after that like we just realized that we worked well together so we started uh, on a number of projects casket slime itself was a project that kind of conceived itself and uh, executed itself like in the first like like in the last like month and a half really like we just kind of were throwing around the idea before all this like pandemic stuff happened and then when it finally did we just pulled the trigger we got uh monothern on instagram to do our logo and we just recorded the first demo in our storage locker and since then you know we kind of just been jumping from that point it sounds like you recorded it in a fucking slaughterhouse dude i mean like the (laughs) the the, uh i I mean i love it though man i love the the sound of it the production it reminds me very much of like autopsy and like or mortician and like Uh old school death metal like that i assume that's what you were going for well, if you really like Mortician, you're going to like what we're do- doing next because we uh, plan on dropping a 30-track uh, Death Grind album with a drum machine. I have already written, like, three songs on guitar that are, like, 300 beats per minute. Like, there's no joke. Yeah, you just got a couple of fans for life. Yeah, um, man, you're, well, you're in over here, man. That's all, be, that's all me and Schuller needed to hear. We're, we're that's, in. 
That's amazing. our shit. I, I do love, I love Death Grind shit. I love uh, Mortician, big fan of a, another band called Fluids. It's a little bit more recent. Um, yeah, I some stuff in that vein, but I, uh, I got major Impetigo vibes from yeah. the, uh, from the casket slime stuff. How big are you guys super into them? Uh, I'm pretty sure Jason, they're like one of Jason's favorite bands. I mean, like, obviously uh, like, I don't know anybody. I mean, I don't want to know anybody who doesn't like that band. Fair. Uh, we actually, I think we actually sent it to one of them in, on Facebook and they were pretty stoked on it. So. Oh dude, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Do you are you influenced by any black metal at all? Because I kind of get a little bit of like a black and thrash in your sound on um, on some of your songs. Does that ever creep in, or does that just lend itself to like the quality of the production that makes it sound that way? Uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say it's both. You know, like yeah, we were like one of I, one of the mics we used. Um, it was an old SM fifty set fifty eight vocal mic, and I took the uh, the windscreen off of it, and I replaced it with a beer can, and I filled the beer can with a bunch of empty like uh, Oreo wrappers, and we used that to get the kick sound. And um, you can really like that comes across on the recording. Basically, what I wanted to do with that was I wanted the the low frequencies of the kick to leak through the tin and rattle like the aluminum on the inside. So it would sound like super harsh. Like you were smashing a fucking mic against like a concrete block or something. This is some scientific shit that we've got going on. Yeah, man, we, yeah, just man, got, we just got blown up. We just got blown out of our zone right there. Dude, I just fucking, I just been smoking weed like for the last like fucking 10 years, dude. Like there's nothing going on in my head, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like that seems like it's taking you some interesting places of like, that's the kind of setup that you came up with for that sound. Yeah. Well, basically like what the idea is, is just like trying to make it, trying to like work with what you have, you know, like I don't have compressor, like, like high end compressor mics. Like I don't have like isolated rooms. Like I don't have like the freedom to record like 28 tracks for a drum channel, you know, like, so basically like the idea is like, how can I take like a kick sound and make it sound like really gritty and just like mix that. So it sounds like half decent. I just think that lends itself to the music so much better than trying to get like a product that sounds polished when you just know you can't get that. Like it's impossible, you know, like it's going to sound tacky. You're going to sound like a fucking, like a cruise ship band or something, man. Yeah, that, that rawness is definitely what attracted me to you guys from, from the get go. Cause I mean, not to sound like I'm anybody or death comes lifting's anything huge, but like I, a ton of bands, like, message us or like put us on whatever tag us and i try to listen to everybody but like something about you guys really really spoke to me and i, I think it's that man like it's just that rawness and whatever you're doing you're doing it right so i'm kind of interested in uh like what is the actual songwriting process for you guys like like you did this super fucking quick did you just go in and do it did you have like a structure did you go in a graveyard and just like exhume some corpses and just find out, just find out what that sounded like? Well, uh, interestingly enough, a uh, graveyard is actually one of the best places to be during the pandemic right now, just simply because everybody there is already dead. So Fair. you don't have to worry about getting COVID. You don't have to worry about washing your hands, which is a huge plus because I'm a fucking complete slob. Right. Um, you know, but uh, the writing process basically 
it's just like we write songs in our rooms and then just send them to each other and whatever comes out of that comes out of it you know like most of the time you're gonna get like a full song out of it like we've never we've never sent something to one another that didn't end up somewhere you know and that's kind of the thing about casket slime that's interesting is that jason actually has a lot of songs that are just kind of sitting around in his brain and like he can finally just get them out because like it's and and that's kind of like a, a an attractive aspect to caskets on for us is that it is really just something that you can just throw whatever you want at you know like it doesn't have to be like a really well polished like thrash album or something you know it can just be like some fucking like really gritty disgusting death grind song and like if the riff doesn't sound good who fucking cares because like the drums are so disgustingly distorted you can't even tell the fuck you're on anyways Dude, the drums are my favorite part of the record before I even knew that you were the drummer. And I'm, I'm, that's why I'm saying I'm not just saying that just because you're on. I, just listening to it, I was, uh, I'm, I'm working on a review, but I even say that the punishing drums are just like the most abrasive shit, man. It's awesome. I appreciate that, man. I, uh, we know you do, man. So, so how many different projects do you guys have going right now? Uh, I, I don't know. It's yeah uh we got like a decent you know like i fucking have like a grindcore project where the vocalist is a coffee maker and i've got like an hour and a half of music <laughs> out of that on fucking youtube and it's just out there you know like i got like a bunch of shit going on good for you man what do you do in real life um <laughs> i fucking uh, i have like a fucking really mundane job i just work at fucking like uh the airport you know like I just fucking like cater airplanes basically like in my spare time. That's when I'm just like fucking like doing like metal and shit and fucking, you know, like working on like personal, like art projects and stuff. Like, I don't know if you've ever went through my Instagram, but it's a bunch of fucking weird pictures and shit. So like, that's kind of my vibe, you know, like I just spend my time fucking like microdosing psilocybin and staring at like corners for like a long time. I like you, bro. We're, we're, we're going to get along. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I do too. Yeah, it was 100%. I fucking, I had to fucking microdose and do like a fucking massive fucking hit of CBD before I fucking came on here, bro. Like just 100%. My brain just doesn't fucking work anymore. Don't let us intimidate you. And I think your brain works just fine, man. I think, I think you're doing, I think you're selling yourself short, man. You're, I think you're a genius. <laughs> you're doing what you're doing. Are you, are you, uh, I know I get messages from Casket Slime, the account, all the time. Yeah. Is that you or is that Jason or is that both of you? That's Jason mostly. Okay, so Jason is is uh, on one on our workout plan. Oh yeah, he's a hundred percent. That dude's fucked. I think you saw that picture, like that. He's fucking shredded, bro. Yeah, he's jacked. He's uh, hitting bags, listening to Jungle Rot. Yeah, yeah I mean, man. I mean, it's I mean, it's crazy. Um, Yo, that guy's a fucking that guy's a bona fide music nerd. Like you, fucking you ask you say a band name, he knows it, man. Like that guy's just fucking crazy. Like I feel like an idiot when I talk to him about metal because like he sounds just, like, like me and Schuler. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things that I always do get curious about with uh, whenever I get to talk to somebody who makes music is sort of what got them into heavy music and then like what sort of pushed them into the death metal vibe like where what's your history where did you sort of get into this kind of stuff what inspired you um and what do you still listen to now one of the things that i think is interesting well i'll ask that question here in a little bit go after the first yeah. shit first well the thing about me is i grew up in like a town with a population of like five thousand people like outside of like a small city yeah um 
So like I grew up in like a fundamentally Christian home and like I like I'm fucking gay. So like that like on top of that was just fucking like even weirder. So like there was like a lot of like we didn't celebrate Halloween when I was a kid, you know? So yeah. It's so when I, when I finally, <laughs> yo, it was unreal, man. But when I finally got to high school, you know, like there was a lot more like freedom for me. So like I was quickly corrupted by some fucking like scummy like new metal kids and that's kind of where I got like my first taste of like metal basically unfortunately it was like corn and metallica but i mean like i feel for any i feel like for anybody who grew up in like 2010 and like beyond like i did like your fucking most like your introduction to metal was like mastodon and like fucking like you know like festival circuit fucking like metal bands and that's kind of like where i like originally started like getting my like cut my teeth on kind of thing yeah uh, and like I started playing music in high school, like I had a band, like a thrash band called Flesh Over Faith. Now, like we released an album in, like 2012, and then quickly like dissolved. But after that, like I basically just moved to the city and tried to like establish myself and like make as much music as possible, which is what I've been doing for like the last like six years. You know, just yeah. make anything as I could, I can. No, like I always, I think, I think a lot of it's pretty common. Um, for people like I, I am also from a very small town, albeit in uh, South Arkansas in in the states. Uh, but I found heavy music through a lot of new metal shit too. Now this was back in the '90s when it was a little bit newer, but it was also like commercially successful. So like Corn was on MTV and Limp Bizkit was on MTV. Whatever fucking brings you into it, man, own that shit. I think that it's it's really easy to go back and look at it and be like, oh, I only listened to Corn when I was a kid or whatever, but. Some of that shit actually is pretty cool and it still has a still has a little bit of, of sentimentality for me. But like one of the things that I think is interesting about death metal is specifically with a major trend towards um, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's going in all directions because it is very much a, an international sort of worldwide community at this point. But we're seeing like a concerted um, gathering around a return to old school death metal stuff that sounds like autopsy it's got like sort of impetigo vibes it's got uh uh you know lo-fi and i i wonder sometimes with people who are making new music like do you check out a bunch of new bands or do you just really sort of stick to the older stuff um I think it's like a lot easier for people to idolize like older bands and older styles of music because there's a lot of people already in the scene who idolize those bands. And I think that it kind of becomes like a, like an identity where like, don't get me wrong, like pretty much like most, most of those bands, like most of those bands kick ass, but you know, I feel like there's like a, like there's a kind of like a pressure on people coming in to kind of like have like an utmost respect for it. And it kind of turns into this like, uh, it kind of turns into like this Stockholm syndrome kind of thing where people just like, don't even really question it. And it just becomes like hard ironed into them. Yeah. I, I, it is interesting how sort of the, the lore behind sort of celebrated old school bands. Like, you know, I keep using autopsy as an example. Somebody brought him up earlier in this conversation, but I, I, I happen to be a huge autopsy fan, but at the same time, you can't really talk too much shit about Autopsy if you don't like them because they are one of the bands that have sort of gained that unimpeachable uh, reputation amongst amongst metalheads. I've I've made the argument before that death metal, for better or for worse, is sort of like inherently conservative in a lot of ways um, when it comes to accepting new things, when it comes to moving music forward, when it comes to development and things like that. And so I wonder if those two things aren't linked. 
No, that's that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, we uh, talk about this all the time. I mean, Schuler and I here, like, there's a whole new like subgenre of new bands, young bands coming up, but their thing is they sound like they're old school bands. Like they sound like early Morbid Angel or they sound like Steve Tucker Morbid Angel or Death. Or, like I, I love I absolutely love that sound. I just think it's interesting that um given given sort of the widespread availability of of bedroom recording that can sound like studio shit these days how we sometimes still opt to go for the old school stuff kind of like the vibe that casket slime has which i like you said that it suits the music perfectly yeah uh, if it were shiny and and overproduced it would sound there'd be incongruity there i think yeah see i don't know like i feel like it's like a really hard question because i feel like it's really easy to be just be biased about it because like i feel like there probably are people who are making bedroom recordings and like the gen community or like the progressive community that are like really high, like top quality recordings. And we just, oh, don't, yeah. we just don't really hear them. Cause that's not something that's like, m- like concerned about it. So like, I feel like that could be like a large bias, like in the conversation itself. But you know, like, I just think like, it's easy to, to try and get into something and to just go with what's safe. And like those bands are pretty much rendered safe because like everybody knows that you don't really shit talk them and for good reason, you know? Yeah. So I feel like that's why you see like a lot of people wearing like death shirts and stuff like that. It's just cause it's like the easiest way to be like accepted in, in a movement, you know? Yeah. I'm not too sure. Cause there's there, like, it's like, there is a, a large like resurgence of like the actual music, you know, the actual, like the, you know, like the entombed sound and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I, we're, we're big fans of the HM2 pedal on, uh, on the riffs and lifts podcast. Fuck yeah. Sick. My parents actually just had a tree cut down uh, in their front lawn today, and there's chainsaws for like three hours. Did you get any recordings of the chainsaws? No, I honestly should have. I was like, don't don't psilocybin that. and chainsaw at the same time. There are plenty of other things you can do, but th- that's probably not one that we recommend. Yeah, dude, I was holding on to my fucking bed sheets trying to watch fucking Escape from New York anyway, so I was really concerned with that. Oh, no, nice. <laughs> solid. I, I want, I'm trying to get a uh, a cobra tattoo on my stomach face front because of that movie. Dude, that's un- that's unreal. Yeah, good. And he approves. I think it's a go now. What do you um, do? You write anything else besides drums? Do you contribute to lyrics? Do you contribute riffs? Do you uh, are you are you just the mastermind behind the kid or what? Um, I mean, uh, I write guitar. Like I start. I wrote um, a song on the last record uh the splits i wrote i'm writing about 20 songs for the mortician album the mortician style album sorry i should just call it a mortician album that's okay, yeah dude that, that's, uh, but you know that's what's happening we're straight up ripping off mortician and we're gonna we're gonna hope to get signed to maggot stomp or something like maggot stomp notice us like fuck like i'm trying out here i just want to get my tape pressed by maggot stomp for fuck's sakes we would love for you to get your tape pressed by maggot stomp we're huge maggot stomp fans and you would fit the bill for sure you, uh who pressed the tape um who pressed the tape you guys have out now uh we did we we, did mostly, we mostly do everything you know like cool. that's just the way it's been for the last year for a couple of our other projects what do you think of a death comes lifting casket slime t-shirt or some merchandise collaboration i'm gonna put you on the spot right now uh you wouldn't be putting me on the spot because i know for a fact it would be a, an unequivocal yes I think I think yes, we knocked it out yes, of the park. Yes, yes, a hundred times yes. The lifting dead army hears it. We put it out into the universe. We'll make it happen. Something's gonna happen. Yo, that's unreal, man. I'm I can't wait to see that. 
hopefully uh, some kind of like Lucio Fulci poster art knockoff that just has the band logo on it. Yeah, yeah that's basically what I was thinking. It's like a rotting head. Yeah. Something to do with Phantasm. We're going to figure it out. Don't worry. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry. It's going to be good. Phantasm is bright for merch ideas. Yo, like, it's it's unbelievable how, how like, passed over Phantasm is. Like, it's just, like, it's such a good movie. And, like, it doesn't even get, like, half as much credit as, like, Friday the 13th or yeah. fucking, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, which have, like, lesser good movies in the franchise. Dude, I, I would go as far as that. I, I don't think it gets like a fucking eighth of the credit that any of those movies do. Like, that's how, that's how I knew you guys were legit when I saw a song, Reggie Bannister. I'm like, okay, th- this it's, is real. It's, it's good and it's entertaining, but it's also so fucking weird. I think that a lot of like, so one of the things about Friday the 13th that, that I think makes it more popular is the fact that it's relatively simple to get behind and the creepiness of a dude in a mask or a dude wearing a bag or like a you know uh this scorned mother like murdering camp counselors or whatever i feel like is something that is a lot more like simple and archetypal and people can be like okay i understand that this is supposed to be scary and then when you hit them with all the shit that's going on in phantasm and then like as crazy as that shit gets in the sequels too i think your typical sort of stock on the fence like weekend horror fan person is just like you know what man that's a little bit too much for me I, who's the bad guy is it the is it the orbs is it the tall <laughs> like, I don't, you know what i mean like they they want like a lot of people i think want like uh hard lines in movies and phantasm i think fucks with that formula so much that a lot of people just aren't, aren't willing to to go there and that is part of what i like about it the most yeah, 100%. I think the thing about Phantasm is it comes from an entirely different school of horror film, you know? Like, if, yeah. you, were to, if you were to show somebody Friday the 13th and be like, this movie's about, like, a big dude in a hockey mask, like, and there's tits and shit in it. And then they're like, and here's Phantasm. It's this movie about a tall dude who steals people from their graves. What do you want to watch? People are going to be like, I want to see fucking tits, bro. Like, that's just, like, facts. <laughs> you know, like, and unfortunately, so much of, of horror films has been, like, uh, scrutinized over the fact that people just want to see like tits and like you look at like modern horror cinema and like there's so much of that shit in there where it's like yeah. it's either like super sexualized or it's like just jump scares and like I feel like Friday the 13th like really like inspired that like school of horror film where it was like extremely yeah. safe you know like you look at like films like from like a decade before that like the Gore Gore Girls and like it's like a very intense like exploitation horror film where like chicks faces are getting like turned inside out and their eyeballs are being smashed and then like you jump 10 years later and like friday the 13th is out and like john carpenter's really big and shit and like that's all cool but like horror is like taking like a turn towards like entertainment like a more popular mode of entertainment and like this is where we are now because of that yeah i i think that invariably whenever something like horror film or like uh death metal as a genre is sort of it is the result of like this push towards extremity of some kind, right? Punk yeah. is not fast enough. Yeah. Uh, thrash is not heavy enough. Um, Edgar Allan Poe is not fucking scary enough. People, they want to push towards what's beyond that. But I think, I, I don't want to call it a laziness, but I do think that we strive for comfort when it comes to art in a way that as soon as we get some sort of blueprint, right? For this thing that we've pushed into the extremity to get into the unknown to get, we latch on to that for some reason. Um, and I think, so when I say that like, 
you know, death metal to an extent has like this inheritively conservative outlook. I think that that's really interesting given the fact that it is the result of like unbridled progression from the very beginning. So oh yeah, when you look at something like, like, um, you know, we, I'm a huge slam fan. Like I absolutely love, I love a lot of the dirty shit, but I also, I'm not going to lie. I'm like a huge sucker for like overproduced, like, super heavy low in and really crisp sound i feel like it i feel like that kind of production lends itself to a good slam record it's interesting to to look at something that pushes so hard for extremity uh but that settles so routinely into like this sort of blueprint into this model that we can just continuously reproduce over and over and over again and it says something about the fact that that it's enjoyable because people still like to hear it right and it's not like anybody's making money hand over fist doing this and i feel like that's kind of the difference that's where formula and heavy music deviates from formula and horror movies right because if you put like you said you know if you've got nudity and if you've got like tasteful gore like gore that's not like eyeball type shit but like something that you'd see in like a like a late 90s sort of horror revival like scream or something like that yeah. that shit still makes money right yeah. 100%. So it's really, we, it's really easy to look at the horror industry and be like, okay, I understand why this blueprint has sort of uh, found a hold in the industry and found a hold in the writing style and the direction style because it makes money. But then we look at death metal and we look at uh, sort of how nobody's making any money doing this shit, but it still becomes relatively easy to fall into a pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a question. It's just me like having mental diarrhea right now and oh that's great man. Well, that's actually a good point uh, actually like uh that's one thing that's like uh an aspect that kind of drives me and jason's uh like mentality on like actual creation is like this idea that like a lot of people will opt out for like the easy choice even though what they're doing is extreme to like some areas of the population you know like you'll have people like going out to start a, a death metal band or going out to start a band uh like some kind of project and they, they constantly kind of like default themselves to fit into like a crowd, like not necessarily to be popular to millions, but to be popular perhaps to five or uh, maybe even a thousand people sure. that are going to buy your fucking shitty tape in fucking America or something, you know, like there's a lot of people out there right that who are in fucking cookie cutter bands. And like, it's just this mediocrity that's plagued death metal and the underground. Certainly is true for horror films as well. And I feel like there's a lot of parallels to be drawn there. You know, I've, I've always been a, uh, a champion of like the early 70s, not even early 70s, just the whole era of the 70s, like the exploitation, like dirty horror films that like leave you feeling gross and like genuinely fucked up. But on the same time, 80s is full of, you know, like you say, chit, tits and chainsaws and like tongue in cheek, like campy, evil dead over the top splatter, which I love as well. How do you feel like your music fits with with those parallels? I feel like you kind of have like a good balance of the two, but I would like to hear that like from your standpoint. Like, what do you think? Um, for me, uh, a horror film is just death metal on screen. You nice. know, it's just like, that's just like facts. Like you watch a horror film and it's basically like the content of what's going on and like the intensity of a lot of scenes like it's akin to listening to some death metal songs. And like, I think like they're the reason that you can draw so many parallels between horror films and death metals, because they both come from like that uh, aspect of society where it's like, you shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. Like this was made, this was originated in, in some sweaty warehouse, like in, 
in an industrial park somewhere or something, you know, like, and it's just this awful fucking like splatter thing. And like most people wouldn't even want to look at it. And like, they just fucking see you in public and they're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Preach brother. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I was a horror fan way before I was a death metal fan just as a kid. So if it wasn't for horror movies, I would never be in this position or listening to any of this awesome music. So. Speaking yeah. of and speaking of uh, this this awesome music, one of the we were having a brief conversation before uh, we we got you on, and I am uh, we're both big Cryptopsy fans, and one of the things that we were talking about, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times uh, getting popular in the U.S. or whatever, because we are a little bit insulated down here in some ways, um, just because of uh, you know our own culture and sort of the prevalence of this stuff all around us. Um, we know that there's like a ton of shit that we're missing from all over the place. Now, as a Canadian person, if you had to give us some death metal bands or fuck metal, heavy music in any, in any category, uh, that's from Canada that we probably don't know about, um, what would you say? Like, give us some pointers, give us some tips. Fuck man. That's like one of those questions that I just can't answer because like my brain, like whenever somebody asks me for like a specific list of something, it just shuts the fuck down. Like I really wish I could like shout out some bands right now, but. Well, uh, think about it. You can message us and we can like link them up to this podcast. Cause we would legitimately just like to know for our own pleasure too. Yeah. So no, yeah. hurry that. no, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely link you guys up with something. I feel bad about not being able to shout anybody out, but. No worries, just, man. I'm the same way. Yeah. It's like going to a record store with no list or whatever. You know you want a million things. You get there and you're like, ooh. Oh, my God. Yes. And then you end up spending hours and hours and hours. Yeah, back when back when record stores were open, I guess. Yeah, man. That was, that, those are the fucking days, man. Like, right. honestly, it's only, like, not even six months ago we were all walking around out in public fucking rubbing up against each other. And it's like, how long has it been since then? You know, like, I see movies with, like, full crowds in them. And I'm just like, how? How are you all in the same room like that? It's crazy, right? Oh, your perce- your perception will change, man. One of the things that I've noticed is like when I watch, when me and my wife watch TV right now, like, or movies, if I see a scene where like people are close to each other or like touching each other or like shaking hands or anything, I'm like, ah, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I feel like I need to wash my hands now. I, this is Purell. Yeah, it's it's interesting how like this sort of the social distancing thing I think is is fundamentally changing the way that we see the world and the way that we see each other. It'll be interesting to see what this does to art. And I'm not gonna be like, oh, you know, the more people suffer, the better art's gonna be. I don't buy that. But I do I do think that um, I do think that when the world changes this drastically, uh, it's definitely gonna be something that impacts the way people think about writing music and writing stories and, and that kind of thing. So it'll be if nothing else interesting to see where it goes yeah well that's something that i've actually been thinking about uh a lot lately is uh like what kind of like retrospectives are going to come out of this time you know because there are a lot of people who are completely sequestered to their house and i'm sure if you're an artist like the only thing you can do right now is create like if you have the money to continue creating and you're going to keep doing it you know yeah that thing is like so many people are either working on art right now or completing art in their homes and like, you know, like even people like Martin Scorsese, you know, like I saw he, he uh, made a tweet or some shit the other day and he was like talking about how uh, isolation has like uh, informed him on different aspects of like creativity and stuff. So, I mean, like, that's it. That's amazing right there. You know, like 
when somebody like Martin Scorsese is being inspired, you know, only good things are going to come out of that. You know, like it's just facts. Hopefully fingers crossed. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm not, I'm like, it's like kind of like bittersweet in a, in a lot of senses because like you find, you get to experience like um, uninhibited amounts of, of like creativity but at the same time, there's like that threat of like, like world collapse, you know, like it's like, it's, it's nice right now. Like you're just watching Netflix and fucking blowing weed right now, but who knows what's going to happen in like the next month, like month and a half, you know, it's, it's a danger, bro. Yeah. Well, will we get a new casket slime album out of it? If it continues? Uh, yeah, you're going to get casket slime releases, uh, whether the world's gone or not. Like as long as the Bandcamp server is up, casket slime will be like updating from hell. Like we plan on never stopping. That's all. We I'm ready to hear this gore grind shit, man. How how far away are we from that? Do you think? Um, August at least. August. All right. It's, we're uh, waiting. Uh, Jason Jason just bought a custom guitar, uh, and we're waiting on it to show up to start doing his like recording tracks. But I'm taking like the time to write as many tracks as possible. Like essentially, we want to have like 30 tracks that are like a minute long, and they're all like 300 beats per minute, and like we want to just have like horror samples like out the ass. Like it's just gonna be fucking like mortician worship like you never even heard i'm there for it man i'm 100 percent there for it Damn. i'm really fucking hoping that the guys from mortician like find out where i live hunt me down and like actually just fucking decapitate me for a band photo like that would just be like i wouldn't even be mad bro i would be stoked i don't think uh i don't think will romer can get across the border into canada man Damn. it's <laughs> true where, where are you at in canada i don't think they let him travel <laughs> i'm actually uh I'm actually in Ontario right now. It's like, we're, we're kind of like this. I think it's like, we, we have like the second most cases in Canada next to Quebec, which is like our neighboring province. Yeah. That's that was going to be my next question. What's the, what's it like there? But you know, we're kind of trying to draw comparisons to where we're at in the United States, but I, we're, we're so close yet so far. So a lot of things could be different, you know? Uh, I mean, just judging from like the news that I'm hearing up here, like things are um, a ton different between yeah. our two fucking countries right now. But uh, like, as far as COVID goes, you know, like it's, I mean, it's bad, like in like the most obvious ways, but it's not like completely unbearable, you know, like there's a lot of people up here who are like worried about getting the economy back going and stuff like, like normal worries and stuff. Yeah. We have a theory if you just blast death metal loud enough, you're going to just be, you're going to be immune or your immune system is going to kick in. So you're going to be okay. So keep providing the medicine for the people. That's what you're doing. You guys are basically shamans and we respect that. Scientists literally don't want you to know this, but the frequencies from death metal will actually keep the COVID away from your body. Doctors hate this one trick. Yeah, they hate it, dude. Yeah, when, 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 when I'm assassinated tomorrow for running this podcast, you guys yeah. know why. You can tell this. Yeah, story. the fingers pointed firmly at Hillary Clinton. We're looking at you. Bill Gates, <laughs> motherfucker. You have a Bill, can you give a Bill Gates murder song on the next Casket Slime record for us? Um, you don't have to. Like, I've been like a very outspoken like hater of the Clintons for a long time. And like I always try to bring it to that level. But, you know, like, you don't want to ruin the sanctity of, like, the gore and, like, the horror. Like, you just want to keep it pure. Like, I used to have a, I used to have a grindcore band, like, a really long time ago called Hitler's Chosen Lizards. And it was, like, basically, like, the whole concept of it was, like, Hillary Clinton is, like, selling Earth out to these, like, lizards that came from Mars. Like, none of that music exists on the internet anymore because I deleted it strategically. But, you know, that's just kind of, like, my musical credentials when it comes to Hillary Clinton. 
So that, uh, that kind of brings us to another fun aspect of, of the lore of this kind of music, I think. You know, a lot of the gore and a lot of the horror are some of the more overt influences that we have in this, in this kind of music, but also there's a lot of interesting places that people manage to work in conspiracy theories. So give us some of the, the ones that you are most entertained by. You don't have to argue for any sort of conspiracy theory. You don't have to out yourself as a supporter of any kind of conspiracy theory, but if you find any particularly interesting or captivating, what, uh, what are they? Hit us with them. My interest with conspiracy theories aren't the possibility that they're true. It's the availability of like the actual vehicle of conspiracy theories to say basically whatever you want. You know, like if you are a flat earther, you can just say that. And it's basically like, you can argue with me all day about it. You can say all this crazy shit, but it doesn't even matter at the end of the day, because like, how are you going to like, how are you going to tell that? You know, like, uh, I was in a band like a year ago, which I'm no longer in the drummer of which is now a flat earther. And he's like quite an outspoken, like flat earther. And he believes that like the earth is flat and there's like a big dome over, over top of the earth. And like NASA is like a prehistoric like institution that built this huge flat screen that covers like the dome of earth, which like provides us with like UV light and like the stars at night and all that bullshit. So like, I just took it a step further in my own mind. And I just thought, well, if they can control like when the sun shines and when it doesn't, then that means that they technically can control how much UV radiation any one area of the world gets at one time, which technically means that NASA is controlling the rate of cancer in the world. You know, like they're basically giving people cancer. So that's, that's the thing about it is like, you can do that with anything you want. Like you can take 9-11, make it into like any conspiracy you want. Like that's the thing about it for me is just like, you can literally throw yourself into a sea of conspiracy videos and it's just like, they're just there. And people have like graphs and charts and maps and they have like a three hour video where they're like talking to somebody on Skype just like this. And they're like, so you're like a lizard from the year 200 BC. Like, tell me about that. I love those. Cool. Like I've, I've, I've listened to full, like full on like interviews with these people, like spent like three hours and you're just like, you just, you're just chilling. Like listen to this lady talk about like her lizard past and shit. <laughs> One of one of my favorite things about this is uh, is sort of the way that it lets us excuse just like totally outlandish things that we would otherwise not believe in at all. And I do, I, I, I like that you hit on the fact that conspiracy theories are sort of like this ladder of logic where you can say, if well, if I accept that uh, there are these chemicals that are coming out of airplanes and keeping us sick or whatever why can't I accept that the person who is in control of this is, you know, so-and-so famous family or whatever. hundred percent, man. And that's really what it is. I think for a lot of people, it's just like giving up your kind of like responsibility to this idea that like, it doesn't matter. Cause at the end of the day, like the Israeli government is like, like pumping like uh, aluminum gas into the sky and it's giving you Alzheimer's or something like that. I don't believe, obviously I would never say anything. <clears throat> just like between us three, but um, you know, there's people out there who believe that there are people out there who don't vaccinate their kids because they think like, like it's going to make them into the fucking mutants from X-Men or something like that. Like, it's just like, it's just like, that's the way the world is right now. It's just weird. It's weird. Super weird. Well, it is. And it, it, it absolves you of responsibility uh, is, yeah. is one of the things that you said, like you, what can I do about the world? If like, you know, interdimensional shape-shifting reptilian humanoids are in control, you know? So that sort of takes the onus off of you to go about navigating the world in a way that makes you accountable for the things that you do, 
and it puts that burden someplace else. But it oh, yeah. also makes for some really interesting music, I think. Yeah, it does, 100%. Yeah. yeah. At the same I, I, time, I'm sorry to interrupt. At the same time, I really uh, appreciate that you don't want to inject any of that into your music and just keep it about the horror and keep it about what it's yeah. meant to be about and kind of distract me and whoever else from all that shit that we can go on YouTube and go down a rabbit hole of and never get anywhere. So I, I appreciate you guys and bands like you guys for keeping that element of just like horror storytelling fun, quote yeah. unquote, in your in, in the music that's that's an admirable to me oh yeah man like i had a an experience like early on like probably about like five years ago with uh music i had a friend he went to bc to go to university and he came back and he became like super liberalized and like you know i have no problem with like left-leaning people like i'm not like not to make a political or anything but he was like very intense about how like music had to be about a specific thing you know like it had to be specifically political or it wasn't like it wasn't like grindcore, it wasn't good music or whatever. And uh, I liked, I took offense to that because, you know, like as a gay person, I don't make like music, like for me personally, like I know there are a lot of like queer artists out there who specifically like uh, identify through their music, but I don't do that. You know, like I, I make music to get away from the bullshit. Like I get, I make music to like get away from like the idea that like the world is like a piece of shit, basically, you know, like I just want to fucking play like really fast, like uh, black, beats or whatever you know like i just want to hear like disgusting distorted guitars like it doesn't fucking matter you know like it's just like just fuck it like who cares yeah. the world needs more people like you in it man yeah like, i, I, I think that especially you know when you talk about when you talk about somebody who goes to college and sort of uh co-ops ideas or beliefs or stances like that uh, it, it's it's a really interesting and sort of complicated time i think when you're 18 19 years old and you're finally learning to to be passionate about things that weren't necessarily spoon fed to you by your parents as a kid you know you you get really protective of that stuff and you and you go about in the best way you know how being passionate about it and i think that a lot of times that passion ends up being at the expense of something that somebody else likes right um and yeah. so sort of i i think that the the way you said your friend was behaving is is relatively common and it's one of those things that we you know, I work with, with uh, college freshmen a lot. And so I, I see a lot of this on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and it, it's one of those things that you admire, but it's also one of those things you just kind of have to let people go through that phase, you know, and wind up wherever they end up. Oh yeah, for sure. I just kind of took it as like a lesson where it was like, I, I, I realized like through that experience that like I wanted to keep things like yeah. uh, that way because I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't identify with like, with a hard political stance. Like I thought like, you know, music really should be whatever you want to make it. Like, if you want yeah. it to be political, yeah, go for it. But if somebody says that they don't want to make their music political, that is, like, just as valid. And I think that there's actually, like, a lot of good that can come out of that, you know? Like, you know, you watch, like, like movies like I was watching this afternoon, like, Escape from New York. It's not, a, it's not a fucking political movie. There's a lot of politics involved. Like, there's, like, the president, played by uh, Donald Pleasance, one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you just want to talk about that shit, you know? I just think, like whatever whatever for however extreme people are but i just think you know at the end of the day i'm doing something that that makes me feel good about myself so that's all i really and that, and that is good and that should be that should be something that anybody can recognize validity in for another person all that matters doesn't matter what you do you can be able to play drums and casket slime you could fucking be singing opera or making stupid podcasts or whatever like if you're doing something that makes yourself happy 
I feel like that's the message, man. And uh, oh, it's the message. That's what I'm trying to get across, bro. It's the message. Yo, what what amp is that behind you, dude? This is a uh, really old Marshall Marshall cab that my cousin left here and gave me, and I would be lying if I said I knew the exact dimensions of it. It is a V fifty one hundred. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty dirty. sure that I like to play bass through it. Hmm? No, I'm pretty sure that's the amp that we actually record with, man. Yeah, it's fu- it's super fucking heavy, like physically and uh, old, <laughs> and has like super crunchy sound. So it would make sense, dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I actually, uh, I had that head, I, my my parents' basement flooded, like, fucking a year and a half ago, and, it, like, like the head survived, and we still use it. It just sounds, like, so crusty. Oh, yeah, man. Well, when caskets slime, whenever, uh, you know, the world opens up and you're allowed to tour, and uh, you can do a U.S. tour, you have a cab and a head to use in Pittsburgh anytime, anytime you need it. Yo, man, I love hearing that. And how's still for doing with the COVID stuff, man? What's up, brother? How's Pittsburgh doing with the COVID stuff? We're uh, we're opening up fully into green in two weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's been a slow process. Uh, I talked about this on our previous podcast. Our where I'm at in Pittsburgh, we have a very our county is very uh, highly concentrated of elderly people. So we're very very old. So it's very like uh, we're keeping it tight, probably more because of that than anything. At this point, it seems a little bit ridiculous uh you know where I, i'm a trainer at a gym and a manager of a gym and I, I haven't been able to you know no i just heard from someone at the gym today and that was the first time i heard from them this whole time so like it's been kind of crazy but thankful that i can stay home and create this and do awesome podcasts with people like you and keep the brand alive and keep pushing it and trying to grow it man so thank you for asking but yeah we're all good over here dope man i love to hear that one of the things that you should do, like the next, uh, one of the next death comes lifting routines for like the home quarantine shit, mm. just for musicians, right? Build it around like moving an amp and a, he- uh, a cab and a head around. Like, yeah, uh, that's actually included in the 28 reps later program. We do, there farm- you go. we do farmer carries with amp heads and, uh, you know, just throwing the cab on your shoulder and doing like the get ups like that, like a kettlebell. We've done it. Actually, uh, if you watch the behind the scenes of the lack of comprehension music video by death, uh, Chuck Schuldner actually pulls up to the studio and he fucking pulls his like uh, cabinet out of his trunk and just fu- like, he just fucking like swole as shit. That dude was actually pretty shredded if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Oh, yeah. Chuck was jacked for sure. Huge influence on us. Yeah. No doubt. Very, oh, me too. Me too. 100%. Very holistic health individual. If I am not mistaken. Mentally yeah. and physically, that yep. dude was into some into some deep shit. Have you ever watched the? Uh, they made a documentary about him recently. I think it's Death by Metal. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was fantastic. Pretty good. They got a bunch of good people to participate in it, and uh, I, I, my only complaint was I was like, man, there could have been a whole other disc of this. Yeah. Dude, I could have watched that for like six hours. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and shit. Fuck me. What's, What's your that? favorite Death album? My favorite death album. Dang. Uh, okay, if it changes from time to time. It definitely has. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Spiritual Healing, honestly. Wow, nice pick. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of my favorites. I remember uh, when they were doing those fucking uh, reissues like in the like the 2010s, I was like super stoked when they did the Spiritual Healing one. I put it in my, I put it in the stereo in my car like – 
a month ago and the fucking mix sounds god awful mm. i do not like the the relapse re-releases of those albums they were not good i don't think i, I honestly never listened to the re-release so. oh man they butchered the individual thought patterns mix fuck me up i bought them because i had to like i can't. yeah I, i'm so with you on that but uh one of the things that i was like um especially with the spiritual healing with all the outtakes and shit of them, like having fun in the studio on the extra disc. I think that was kind of fun, man, just because it kind of humanizes the band in a way. Um, but the one, like my favorite death record is the one that they don't have access to because Roadrunner's got their greedy mitts on it. It's symbolic. I, I would love to hear more from that. Yeah. hundred percent. I would like, sure I heard, like uh, Gene Holgan has like a bunch of fucking like really crazy. I think he said he has like the full album with like Chuck's clean vocals on it. That would be fucking crazy, man. I would love to hear yeah. that. That'd be unreal. That's a, it's interesting, man. All these re-releases and remastering. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about with new bands coming up, trying to sound like death or old bands. And then simultaneously still, we're still getting remasters of the old shit. And like, it will, it will never really, uh, never really die. You know? Well, I think that's actually a really good point. You know, like I think going back to like that initial conversation, like that's like, that's it right there. You know, like you look at what was coming out, like around like in the last 10 years and a lot of it was that, you know, like a lot, it was like a lot of bands like toxic Holocaust and stuff that like, kind of like have callbacks to like those earlier albums. And I think that it just kind of like trained like, uh, younger generations that are getting into this music to kind of like seek that kind of stuff out, you know? Yeah, and uh, to parallel once again with horror movies, I mean, they fucking remade Black Christmas twice already. You know, yeah. like, and it's like, uh, I mean, I feel like that statement speaks for itself. But uh, the one thing I hope is kids will see that and then trace their footsteps back to where it really matters and see the original shit. So yeah. I hope maybe a kid will get a reissue of Spiritual Healing and then go back to Scream Bloody Gore and hear some original stuff and then. You know, I think the I think the 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 difference there is like when you buy a remaster of Spiritual Healing, it's like basically the same album. The mix is just different. When you watch the reboot of Black Christmas, it's fucking garbage, and you just want to kill yourself for watching it. <laughs> it is true. It is I have true. yet to see any of the remakes of Black Christmas. Yeah, I don't. I would. I refuse to watch remakes. Actually, like I haven't seen the remake of Suspiria either because, like, why the fuck would I watch that? It's man. I hate to be the guy to do it. It's not that bad. Okay. It, it's totally different from the original one. Yeah, totally different. I, I, I dug it. I did dig it. I did dig it. Especially if you're a little, you're a little tripped out, definitely watch it. Yeah. If you yeah. go into it not – I don't think they should have called it Suspiria. I think that they should have done like some sort of – you know how like 28 Days Later was sort of like a remake slash composite of the original Dead trilogy? there's elements from the other movies in the superior remake and then there's sort of all these other subplots that are added from the original i feel like they should have like given it a different name or something but it it's a good movie in its own right i might look at it a little bit later down the line if i got nothing to watch you know say if you find yourself quarantined if you find yourself unable to leave the house for some strange reason for a really long period of time you might have the uh, the time and the inclination to watch that movie. Yeah, I mean, like, I agree with you, but I don't feel like that's actually a very strong selling point. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's something that I'm going to write on my letterbox review of it when I give it two stars. I don't know, you guys. Like, I'm, a, I'm like, I'm, I'm young, but I'm a fucking old head. Like, I don't fucking, I don't fucking do shit, bro. Like, I don't do it. 
Me too. Honestly, sometimes I feel like a dick because of that, though. So I'd like force myself to give new stuff a chance. Sometimes it pays off. Most of the time, it doesn't. Yo, like I'm a hundred percent that fucking asshole in like the fucking like Led Zeppelin full album comments on YouTube. That's like I'm falling <laughs> like this. <laughs> wrong generation. That's fucking hundred percent me. Like unironically. We can tell, man. That's what we love about you guys. What uh besides your uh, more uh, mortician worship record, what is next? What do you plan on doing, or do you have you just going with it? Uh, you know that line in The Dark Knight when the Joker's like, "I'm like a dog that chases cars. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do if I actually caught one." Yeah, yeah, it's like that. It's basically just like, who fucking knows? It could be anything. The the band the band could dissolve. Like, who knows? Like, it's it's a day to day kind of thing. Well, man. You have our support. And you, yeah, have death, sure. you have Death Comes Lifting's full support. So whatever we can do with you and for you, that's what it's about. I've been trying to support underground music since day one of this and bring it to bring it to people's attention that need it. So if you if just just stay in touch and we'll whatever we'll make something happen, man. For sure. Man. We're big fans. Thanks, buddy. I'm honestly big fans of you guys too. I think what you're doing is super dope. Like I was like when I saw that you guys were giving out like uh, personalized like plans on your Patreon, I was like, that's unbelievably cool. Like that's just real. Thanks. Like I was shocked that you guys have less subscribers than you do because like I just think like there's so much value in that. You know, like you look around like there's so many people on Instagram like selling like fitness plans and shit, and they all like sell it for like two hundred bucks with yeah. like uh, like Skype coaching like once a week and shit. And it's like I'm sure that those plans work out, but it's just like the value what, with what you guys are offering is like unparalleled. Thanks, brother. And that was that was always been my goal because um, well, we started my my slogan. It became fitness for the misfits. At first, it was a fitness company that hates fitness yeah, because every fitness company, in my opinion, kind of sucks. And people on Instagram, fitness coaches, not I shouldn't say everyone, but the majority of them are just I mean, it's just cheesy cash grabby, gross plastic shit. And I've always just tried to be the middle finger to that. So your support means everything, man. And, uh, you know, I know you're helping spread the word and, uh, it'll grow, man. And, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you're along for, for the ride with that, man. Yo, we in it together, man. Lifting dead army for life. That's what's up my friend, which brings me to my ultimate question that I ask everybody. What's your favorite black Sabbath album? Take your time. Let it fester. It's a hard question to answer. I think it's, I ask it at the end. I dropped I dropped the nuke on him. Yeah, know? that was you know, I was nervous about the question and I was yeah. right to be nervous. Uh fuck dude. I don't know. Uh I think I'm just gonna have to go with Master of Reality. You know, like it's a solid album. Fair. Like, I mean it's, it's, Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of an unfair question. <laughs> you could literally say anything and it's a, it's the right answer. That's the thing, you know? And it changes. Schuler's changes the answer. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, it changes. It depends on the day. It depends on which way the wind's blowing, what's in your system, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yo, I'm, I'm like, I'm that, I'm that way with fucking Judas Priest too, man. Like, I'm a fucking huge Priest fanatic, bro. Fucking like every day. What's your favorite Priest record? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, it's probably fucking either Stained Class. I don't know, dude. Like, that's another one of those things where it's like, 
I just love them all. Like if you were to put on like a priest record, I wouldn't be like, turn it, turn it off. I'd be like, okay, it's fuck. Yeah. Like turn it fucking up, bro. Like fuck. Yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. I, I probably prefer stained glass, but like I'll throw on fucking turbo any day of the week. You know, let's let's do it. I, I, I warmed up a lot to Turbo like in the last year, but yeah, hundred percent. I'll have fun with it. You know what I mean? It's no big the deal. The music video for Turbo Lover, dude, that's classic, man. I know. <laughs> hey, man, I don't mean to get like, you know, I I don't I mean no offense by the, this question or whatever, but being a uh, an openly gay musician in metal, did Rob Halford mean something to you? Did it mean? Did he mean a lot to you, or does he mean a lot to you? Being kind of, I feel like he's kind of like the Godfather of that, like the forefront of just being openly gay and awesome in metal. Well, the thing about it is that when I got into metal in high school, like I was struggling with my identity a lot and I wasn't fully like uh, true with myself. Yeah. So like when I was initially into metal, uh, I would say no, but recently uh, I've gained a lot of respect for what Rob Halford did, uh, obviously. Um, right. I just think it's fucking hilarious because like Rob Halford is just like the greatest troll in all of fucking history, man. Like he literally got all these fucking metal heads to dress up like BDSM bikers. And he, <laughs> and Seriously? he yeah. fucking Nancy for like fucking 30 years. And, and when he came out as gay, people were like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah. It's and like the most badass move ever. And you're like, dude, this guy is on fire. Like somebody grab a fucking fire extinguisher. Fucking Rob Halford's going to burn down the fucking vocal booth. You know, it's just like it's amazing. Like he fucking cucked so many people, and he continues to do so to this day. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the G for that, and especially back then in a in a, the heavy metal community, which may or may not be totally accepting of homosexuality back then. Like I feel like he when he came out as gay, he had so many fans that were they were like, oh yeah, okay, he's just so awesome that I'm gonna choose to like oh, not, definitely, not care about definitely. that. You know, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, cause like for my parents, like when I came out of the closet, like it, it really like brought them around just because like it, it actually hit home. And I feel like for a lot of metal fans, it was probably the same way, you know, like here's somebody that like you love and you've grown up with and like, you're really going to fucking like throw out your entire relationship with them. Like you're, and like, it's the other side of it too, is like you, you love Judas Priest. Like if you're listening to them, like you're really going to be like, I'm never listening to a Judas Priest record ever again because Rob Halford is gay. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't fucking line up, you know? I never so I feel like when he did that like it was like it definitely was like a huge move you know and like uh, I've heard stories of like the cynic dudes like you know like all throughout the 90s like they would get like spit on while they were on stage and stuff like that so like like metal I mean like you know what even for Judas Priest like I've heard Rob say it himself like there's countries that like Priest can't play in because he's openly gay now yeah, so it's like you no know, like that's the thing about it is like it, it is powerful and it's still in, a, in its own way like it is still kind of like pretty powerful that he did that. absolutely man He's uh he's one of my heroes for that. Just based on sheer bravery and just attitude. I mean, that's like the fucking most one of the most heavy metal moves ever done. Yo, that's what you gotta love about Rob Halford. Like he really deserves to be knighted by the Queen. Like that dude is just like such like a straight up like noble like gentleman. Like he's just like I just like I love that guy so much. Like everything about him is just so fucking hilarious, man. Just like the way he acts and fucking the way he talks, they just listen to him fucking like talk for like an hour and a half. And it's like, this dude is like, like fucking like, like a fucking like the old English, like he is my fucking topet, eh? you know, but he's this fucking like weird, like leather daddy, fucking like rock and roll guy at the same time. And he's like super into cats. And you're like, where did you come from? Like, why do you exist? Well, I, I think one of the, one of the things that I like most about Rob Halford sort of as a, as like an influence on, especially younger people who, 
may or may not struggle with stereotypes and heavy music is that he's such a big voice for empathy. Uh, yeah. I think that that is a really easy thing to, to lose sight of in, in music that, you know, I, metal definitely has its tendency towards aggression and there's, there's definitely things there that make it an outlet for anger. But at the same time, there's a whole lot of vulnerability that comes with this kind of music that I think that a lot of people tend to overstate or to not want to acknowledge. And to hear someone like Rob Halford, who's been doing this for as long as he has, who's as successful as he is and who's been through as much as he has uh, and sort of had the courage to be himself uh, through some of the roughest parts of it, it, it means a lot to hear someone like that advocate for trying to put yourself in another person's shoes to, to be a voice for empathy, to be like a, uh, to be open to accepting the other, I think. Yeah. I honestly couldn't have said it better myself, buddy. That's a really good point. Thank you. Yeah. That's kind of what, that's kind of Schuler's role on this is when he <laughs> takes like the caveman things I say, and then Mike says them articulately. I don't know, man. That's pretty good. Don't listen to me. I'm full of shit. Great, I'm literally just talking here. I'm like so nervous that this is just going to be gibberish afterwards. Dude, this was definitely, this is one of the best podcasts we've done, man. This this has been fucking awesome. Honestly, I'm stoked. Frozen. As I say that we freeze. It's the government trying to get us down.